Peter here is writing this book. And, and you know, something occurred to me, and I think that it occurred to me correctly. Uh, you see, in verse 1 it says, Peter, and then what's the next two things? And a Maybe it was me. Test me. I was excited. So when I looked at this and uh, I saw that Peter, an apostle, and I said, okay. The only other one that I've seen in the New Testament who described himself was Paul, an apostle. Now, I know all of them are apostles, but what I'm saying is I'm talking about the written part of it here. I looked at each one of these books, and the person that wrote the book, they stated their name, and only Peter and Paul, as far as I could see, said an apostle after them. The rest of them say they serve of Jesus Christ. You know? But these two, they acknowledge the fact that they were apostles of Jesus Christ because the word apostle means to be sent, to be commissioned, and to be sent to do a certain job for the Lord. And Peter, it means rock. Peter means stone. Peter means cliff. Peter means ledge. Peter also means to be exhausted too, or at the end of yourself. So Peter means a whole lot of things, and when you put his, which that was his surname, Peter, but when you put his other name to it, Simon, it represents the hearing of the word of God. And as we get into God, we understand that we hear God better as we become more exhausted in our sale. As we come to the end of our sale, the word of God becomes clearer and clearer to our ears because self gets out of the way. Are y'all with me? You see how self can get in the way sometimes? But Peter here is been commissioned as an apostle, sent. And he was sent 
by the power of God here seen as Jesus the Christ. And he was sent to do a specific job. You see, when we come to the end of our second, we come to that place on a ledge, on a cliff. God does something to us because it's at that time that things get dangerous to us. And we begin to see differently than when we were, when we were standing strong in our own self. You see, the word Peter, it represents a stone or a rock or a, 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 some type of, of, of boulder. In other words, sometimes we're too hard within ourselves to allow God to show us anything. See, Peter, in his own strength, was a fool, just like all of us. You know? He was so rigid, he was so rigid, he was religiously rigid, that he wanted to kill and destroy anything that didn't think like he thought, like he thought. He, he really did. So Peter had to come to that place of exhaustion within himself. Because Peter, like all of us, makes a lot of mistakes along the way. But you see, mistakes don't make us failures. Mistakes teaches us the value of what it is not to make the mistake. That's what mistakes do. They teach us. See, mistakes are a part of the teaching tool that God uses in this earth with an imperfect man so that we can learn how and why we need to lean on God. So what God does is God allows us to make the mistake that leads us to that ledge, to that cliff, because he knows when we get there, whether it's with our finances, whether it's with our material wealth, or, or, or blessings, marriages, whatever it is, God sometimes allows us to get to that cliff. Right when we're about to fall off the ledge of it. And then God does an uncanny thing to us. Because he says in his word that in my weakness is when I'm made strong. He said, I rather glory in my infirmities, which are my weaknesses, because when I'm weak, God is strong in me because the power of God rests upon us when we're broken, doing not. So notice that Peter had to come to the end of himself because that's part of what his, what his, his, his uh, uh, name means here, to be exhausted. And once a person has exhausted themselves of themselves, then God comes in and he commissions you. He gives you an ordination. You know, that's why being ordained is so important. That's why being ordained is such a dangerous thing that people in the world today are taking so lightly. Because God is the one that places the gift in us, and with the gift comes the anointing for you to carry out the gift. When we come to the end of ourselves, then we can display what the gift is in us through the anointing of God. 
and we can go into that place, that area where God would have us to go and be productive and bring forth much fruit because John tells us in, in chapter 15 or 16 that, that I have not, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and I have not only chosen you, but I have ordained you. What did I ordain you for? To bring forth much fruit. The gift in us is designed to bring forth fruit. That's what it's designed for. The gift comes with an anointing. The gift comes not with words of man's wisdom, but with the displaying of the power of God. In other words, the gift that you have changes people's lives. What you have inside of you from God changes people's lives. Now, a lot of people don't see their ability to change people's lives because they haven't come to the end of themselves yet so that they can see what God is doing in their life. So, Peter is commissioned here by the power of God and the wisdom of God, Jesus Christ, and he's commissioned to do what? To go to the strangers that are scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. All this is in reference to the fact he's sending us to go to all nations and teach men to obey the, all these commandments and to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So that's what God is doing to all of us who have reached that level of Peter, that, that level of being exhausted in trying to do this thing our way, and that's become exhausted in trying to live life the way we specifically think that we can live life. But now God has humbled us through the mistakes and the hardships of life that we brought upon ourselves. Now God has done a miraculous thing in our life. He has saved us. He has ordained us, and he has commissioned us to go into the world and to evangelize, is a good word, evangelize those who are scattered, those strangers. Well, who are those strangers? Have you ever asked yourself who the strangers are? A stranger is someone who doesn't have a right, a citizenship in the place where they are. They call them aliens, all right? Pure. In this case, God is sending us to into the world, and he's sending us to do something. He's sending us to evangelize the strangers that have been scattered throughout the world. Now these strangers that he's talking about are those people who have come to the understanding that they have no right of citizenship here in this earth. Are you with me on that? That's what the strangers are here. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Peter 2.11. Go with me. 1 Peter 2.11. Over there. Just come take it over. Say amen when you get there. Mm -hmm. 
The Bible says, dearly beloved, I beseech you as what? Strangers and what? Pilgrims to abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Also, let's look at Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 13. Hebrews, 11th chapter, verse 13. Say amen when you It says in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 13, that these, talking about these people of faith, this is the faith, the hall of faith, faith, oh, chapter. It says, these all died, verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them, and embraced them and confessed that they were what? Strangers and pilgrims on the earth. In other words, God is, is sending us to people and to a people who come to the realization that they don't have no citizenship or no right of citizenship on this earth. In other words, this earth, they come to the realization that this earth is not their home. You see, what's wrong with the church today, church, is that see, they haven't reached the level of that. So what happens is, is that the things of the world causes them to want to continue to stay in the world, you know. So we don't fight hard enough. Yes, sometimes we might get pulled to it, but we got to pull back off of it. But most of us, when we get pulled in, we stay in it. Most of us do. Because we haven't come to the realization that we don't have no right of citizenship. We are strangers in this place. And the more I'm learning about God, the more I'm understanding. So, so, so God is saying, look, I want you to go to the strangers who are scattered in the sea of nations, who walk in the life of Christ, whom he has called out of the miry clay and from the violence of this sinful nature. Do I need to repeat that? That's what he's talking about when he says strangers being scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. He's talking to us about, he's telling us, look, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to the sea of nations. You see, the nations here represent, the nations are the sea. It represents the sea here. He wants, there is a sea of people in the nations. Right or wrong? But within that sea of nations, there are many of us who have come to the understanding that this place ain't our home. Those are the ones God wants us to go with. We've been wasting a lot of time going after the wrong thing. No man, the Bible says, can come to Jesus Christ, John 6, 44, unless the Spirit of the Father draws you. If you're not drawn by God, you ain't going to come. And if you come, you're going to come on your emotion, and you definitely ain't going to stay. So what's the use? We don't have that kind of time no more. If one can put a thousand to flight, two ten thousand, what can four of us do? On Sunday morning, what can twenty or twenty-five or thirty of us do? You can take the three hundred with you. Just three hundred. 
didn't take but one Samson to tear them up, depending on what we're working with. What have we, have we come to the realization yet that we don't have the time to waste our time on people who don't want the God that we serve? We don't have that kind of time no more. So we're not going to beat. God is not telling us to go out there and beat dead horses. Talk about get up. No. You got to have a revelation from God first. And what's happening is, is that even though the word of God is going out there by the men and the women of God, the word of God falls on various different grounds, right? God is looking for his word to fall on those who know that they are strangers in this land now. Because that's where the word is going to fall on the ground. Yeah? He's not saying don't shotgun approach the word. See that? But he's telling us that we need to be led by the Lord. If we are led by the Lord, we will know whom God has called for the next level of this. Because they can't come unless God's Spirit, the Father, draws them, first of all. So if He's drawing them, don't you think that the Spirit of God in you is going to tell you who is drawing? Can't you? It's called discernment, people. <laughs> That's what it's called. Or you can waste your time on a whole lot of stuff that seems to be good, but it don't produce. Nothing. If it's really good, it's going to produce. And I would rather produce a small garden of good harvest than a big field of a lot of weeds. See, we're in that time now, people. We're at that time. He called us the elect in verse 2. He says, elect. Now, the elect are the company of true believers. I say true believers. Chosen in harmony with God's determined plan to redeem the church by the blood of Jesus Christ through the sanctification of the Spirit. Notice that I said, the elect is that company of true believers who God, who've been chosen in harmony or in unity with God's plan to do what? To go into the world and get some more. Like us. Anything just ain't gonna do. See, we tried anything. It didn't work. Now God's word says in the book of Peter that scarcely a righteous man is saved, and where do the sinners appear? So we can't undo the scripture and just use one side of the scripture and not see it from the whole picture. Because if we do, then we're going we're gonna to mess up some stuff. Because we're, we're going to get frustrated in the middle of it all. Because we don't stay focused on what God has told us to do. And we get caught up on what's going on around us. And see, the little things that are going on around us is what's pulling folks left and right out the church all over the world. That's what's tearing them up right there. You tell them right here on Sunday, stay focused. Right at the end of the message, stay focused. Y'all remember? And then they go. They go right to their little, back to their little circumstances. And their little circumstances 
snatched that word. And once it snatched that word, see that word can't take no root. Hey, it just falls by the wayside. The word of God goes on to tell us, elect, and I told you who the elect God, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and the sprinkling or the purification of the blood or life of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. This blood, Leviticus 17, 11, we know that the, the blood, the, the life of all flesh is in the blood. It's in the blood. That's where it's at. Because in the blood is where the life is. In the blood is where the spirit is. The blood is the vehicle for the spirit. When the blood is released from your body, so is your spirit. You die, right? When the blood was released from Jesus Christ, then guess what happened? The blood spewed out Jesus' life into the atmosphere of the earth. And it started its redemptive power. The redemptive plan began to take effect. It's all in the spirit. So now, where we were breathing in pure demonic powers of that, now we also got Jesus working in our behalf, thank God for that. Because you see, he infiltrated the air too now. And although it does not appear that he, he's out there in the air, he He's just letting his plan take effect. The Bible says in verse 3 that blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has given, has begotten us again unto a living or lively hope. See, we weren't dead, now we got a lively hope. The hope that we have now is alive. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, the hope now that we have goes further, then I'm going to get a check on Friday. The hope that we have now goes further than I'm going to get me a new car, or I'm going to get me a new house, or I'm going to get me a new spouse, or I'm going to get me a new this or a new that. See, the hope that we have now goes far beyond that. And if it doesn't, then we need to check what our hope is. It says in verse 4 that he's called us to an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and that faith is not away and is already reserved in heaven. For who? For you. For you. It said for you. Mine said for you. Mm -hmm. So he's talking to you personally. There's a reservation that's already been made. What? What is that reservation? Look here. Go to uh, Revelation 19.9. See, don't forget about this, because this feels bad. Revelation 19.9. Over there. And he said unto me, Revelation 19.9. He said, right? Blessed are they which are called. Remember now, what kind of call is it? The book of Titus said, it's a holy calling, Right? Remember? It ain't just a calling now, but it's a holy calling. He said, blessed are they which are called unto the what? That's the reservation right there. That's the reservation right there. 
You see, that's the final salvation right there. That's the, res- that's the reservation right there. When you make it to the marriage supper of the Lamb, that's when everything changes. That's when your reservation are accounted for. That's when the uh, uh, inheritance becomes incorruptible and undefiled. See, it's going to be a whole lot going on. There's an initiation going on at the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's an initiation. Come on, get your head out the sink. There's an initiation going on at the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's not just a regular thing. There's some things going on. That's why we're in the book of Revelation, because God is wanting to speak to us about what He's got prepared for us and what and how He's got to prepare us in, in, in order to get us to that place that we need to be. So God is on this hand working hard and overtime, and the devil on this hand working hard and overtime, and self and world is right there in the middle working hard and working overtime. Now what are we going to do? We got we to keep fighting. Because what we're fighting for is worth the fight. We got to understand that. What we're fighting for is worth the fight. And there's too many of us that just want to lay down and go to sleep on this thing and holler, what was me? You ain't no time for that. I know all of us get weary. But the fact of the matter is, when you get weary, that's the time you're supposed to run to the family of God, not away. You draw your strength from running to the family of God. So he said, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And not only that, but he said, and he said unto me, these are the true sayings of God. So you can make on it, church, that something is reserved in heaven for you, for you, for you, for me, and anybody else that want to ride this train. But you've got to ride this train. You either ride it or wherever it is that you get off at, that's probably where the weed is going to go up. Right? You ever seen a house nobody living in no more? You can tell when God ain't living in you no more. You can see it, can't you? You can see it. John's word says that those be in Peter. Chapter 1, verse 5. He said, now, you got this thing reserved in heaven for you, and you're kept by the power of who? God. Not your own power, but by the power of God through what? Unto salvation. See, your faith got to be in your salvation. Ready to be revealed. What's going to be revealed in the last time? What's he talking about being revealed? Your salvation. See, there's a power of salvation. You get saved, but that ain't the final. That ain't the finality of it. Now you got to make it through. It's tight, but it's right. But if you make it through to him that overcome it, he said, I'm going to do all these beautiful things for you. But now, you just ain't going to walk through it. You, gotta, you, you, you can't earn it, but you got to earn it. <laughs> yeah, that's weird, ain't it? You can't earn it, but you got to earn it. In other words, <laughs> see, yeah, yeah, how about that? See, you can't earn it, but you got to earn it. In other words, you got to keep a stepping. 
It's bad if you get it to look right there at the door. Like that little girl that time that we saw that you say she barely made it in. Remember we got the car wash and that little girl hit that door and she barely, that door looked like it's not that close, but she made it to it. Old Brenda said she barely made it in. Talking about she barely made it into heaven. See, it was just, just how tight it can be. She made it through the door. But one thing about it, don't make no difference how tight it is. If you get in, you eat. So just keep on, whatever you do, I'm, just, I'm telling you, church, whatever, I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what the circumstances look like. I don't care how hot it gets on your job. You just keep saying about Jesus. Because one day, you ain't going to have all the happy things you need. See, one day, you ain't going to do that no more. See, that's the good thing about it, church, is that we're strangers. I mean, it's a, I don't know about y'all, but... It's a lovely thing for me to know that I ain't got to go through this down here all my life. Now, I don't know about y'all. Y'all might be caught up on me. But see, I learned a long time ago that, see, this ain't my home, and that's why me and this place don't get along too well. Because this place down here keeps jacking us up. So, you see, I don't need to stay in a place to keep jacking me up. See, I'm looking for a better place because I know that there's a better country somewhere for me. And in order for me to get there, then I'm going to have to take the high ground. I know this. I know this. Regardless of what the circumstances are, no matter whether your money's funny, whether your health is bad, it don't make no difference what it is. Yes, it's hard, but this light of fiction. See, you got to remember what God had to say about this situation, church. You gotta remember about it. Because if you forget what God says about it, then the devil's gonna have you believe in what he got to say about it. And you ain't gonna believe it. And you can't depend on people to nurture you and tell you that you're gonna make it in. Because when people see that you falling, they'll even help knock you down. So you can't really depend on them. You better stay focused on God. And if you stay focused on God, then He'll make everything all right. He'll make it all right. God's Word says that this salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye, verse 6 says, ye greatly rejoice, though now, listen, church. Though now, for a what? That means it ain't forever. If need be, he said. If need be. Ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. He said now, it's only for a season. Whatever it is that we're going through, it's only for a season. And God's word says that if need be, if you've got to go through these things, it's going to be all right. Second Corinthians 4, verse 17 and 18, it talks about how this light of fiction, which is only for a moment, it can't be compared with the eternal way to glory that's to be found in us. In verse 18, it goes on to say, while we look, look here, staying focused, there it is. While we look, see, we ain't looking at the affliction. See, the affliction is what? The circumstance, all right? It's down low. That's what the affliction is. See, that's what'll get you. That's what'll mess your head up and have you, well, you won't even be able 
to, 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 to even pray to God. You'd be so screwed up. But look what he said in verse 18. He's talking about being focused. Now, while we look not at the things which are what? Stay off your circumstances. Did you hear me? I say stay off your circumstances and look at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal. It's only for a season. But the things which are not seen are what? Eternal. So Peter goes on and he tells us to, in 1 Peter 4, verse 12 through 18. 1 Peter 4, verse 12 through 18. Are we there? 1 Peter 4, 12 through 18. The word says, Beloved. We're talking about this affliction. If it need be. It says, Beloved. It said, don't think nothing strange concerning, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try, he makes it personal again, you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. You know how it is when things be happening in the folk, they holler about, I just don't know why, you know, there's something always happening. See, they don't know what God wants to See, that's why we need each other to remind each other in a compassionate and loving way what God's Word is saying to us when we're going through this stuff. But if you ain't got nobody around you, if you ain't don't know what's in there, you said, you really ain't cool. He said, you know, don't, I mean, but 13, he said, but rejoice. Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, Ye may be glad also with exceedingly joy. So if we suffer with Christ, don't you know that we're going to reign with him too? And if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye for the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. On that part, he is evil spoken of. Yeah, that's what they do. They speak evil about God, the God that we serve, because we serve him. But on your part, he is glorified. So one speaking evil against God while we glorifying God for whatever the situation may be. But he said, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, are y'all with me? As a thief, as an evildoer, but this is one to kill folk right here. Or as a what? In who matter? Oh, man. Ah, <laughs> a tail The Bible reveals see. They keep something going all the time, don't they? Huh? All the time. All the time, they keep something going. But you know, when God's peace is in the people, the unity of it is peaceful. It's loving. It's caring. Ain't nobody got time for the, the busybody, the terrorist. The Bible says, where well, there is no wood, the fire go out. And when the terrorist ceases, then strife ceases too. You get rid of the troublemaker, and you have a good house. You sure will. You might not have me in there, but you have a good house. You, you'll be able to sit out and hear God. Because look, I got into this thing to have peace. I got into this to teach people the word of God to have peace, and let's help each other and love each other. Let me get into this thing up. And then they got some old Texas and all that old mess. See, I didn't mean that mess. That ain't my life. 
That's not what we are about. We don't need that. Amen. I don't care who it is, your mama. We don't need it. Amen. We don't need it. Because that's a mix. That's a mix. It says in verse 15, 16, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first it began at us, mm-hmm, put all of it in that one. What shall the end of be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous are scarcely saved, what do the ungodly and the sinners appear? You see how tight this thing is? I know we've read this over and over again, but see, every time, sometimes, every time we read it again and again, again, see, life takes us to another level. And these things, these scriptures become more meaningful. Because we, we see the experience of what God is saying in His Word. See, that's what makes it come alive. So, verse 7 in 1 Peter 1, verse 7. Are we all there? Are we there? It says, look here, it says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than a gold that perished. You see that? Though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearance of Jesus Christ. Wow. So what are you saying here? First of all, the trying of our faith. You know that thing that we don't like to get tried? God said that's more precious than the best of gold. So what we, hey, he thinks different than we do. See, what we hate, God loves. What's valuable to God, we try to, no, I don't want to go through that, Lord. But God says, but you need it. That's your medicine. You, you, you sit. You take your medicine. We say, no, I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want to be tried. You know what I'm saying. You know how we do that. We do this now. Yes, we do. And God said, go ahead, I'm going to take the mess. Take the mess. Because you, you need to get well. But how long to take it? Well, you can't get well if you don't, you know, take the medicine. If your faith ain't tried, then you can't be tried in fire. And you can't, and he says, well, your, the trying of your faith is more precious than gold itself. Fine gold. Now, that's awesome. Because who in here won't at least take a hammer and hit their toe, toe, big toe, for a sack of gold? At least a long fine gold. Oh, I hit my toe. I hit it. I hit it. And the bigger the bag, the harder I hit it. But when it comes to the trying of my faith, which is more precious, he says, in the fact. See, see how we think, though. No, Lord, I don't take the medicine. Yeah, but you just, you're willing to hit your toe mm. for that sack of gold. Lord Jesus. But he said the trial, that the trial of your faith, being more precious than a gold of perish, though it be tried with the fire, might be found unto praise. See, he's saying that 
in our trial of faith, God say, I want to find you giving praise and glory to me during your time. Because if you do that, then that's what qualifies the goal as being more precious. You see, that's what qualifies us. When we can praise and glorify God when we're being tried in our faith. You know, things ain't going right whatsoever. And it can get tough sometimes, can Oh, yeah, now. If we don't get through this life without going through some real strange ordeals and some tough ones, too. Now, now, if anybody tell you they do, then they ain't on planet Earth. Because planet Earth will rock your head before you leave here. You will get rocked quite a few times. But close Revelation 15 to I want to talk to you about that fire. Being tried in the fire. Revelation 15 to. Remember I was telling you about the fire of salvation? Right there at the marriage supper of the land. Remember? Remember I was telling you about that at the marriage supper of the lambs, there's going to be an indoctrination, there's going to be some things going on. And, not just, it's, it's <laughs> and one of the things that will be going on there, right shortly afterwards, and during that time, is in chapter 15, verse 2. Right shortly after that time, he said, And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass. It was made with what? Fire. Now, the sea of glass represents the sea of eternity. And if you notice, it's mingled with fire. Why is it mingled with fire? Okay. Here's what it is. Now, here's our family, the beginning and the end, right? In other words, he's eternity within itself, right? And he's According to Hebrews, what is it, 12, 29, 11, 29, one or the other, God is a consuming fire, right? So, if God is eternity and God is a consuming fire, then eternity is mingled with fire, right? Are y'all with me? Okay. Now, and them that had gotten the victory, or he talked about us, over the beast. And over the number of his name. Look what he's doing. And over the mark. Where are they standing? On the sea of what? And what's the, the sea of glass? Eternity. And what's the sea of glass mingled with? And where are we standing? Where are we standing? In, in the fire. <laughs> We stand it in the fire. Okay? And what is it that we got in our hand? Hearts. Of who? Yeah. Now what do we do with hearts? We give praise and honor to God. Through the trial of your faith is more precious than precious gold tried in the what? Fire. What did he tell us to do when we were going through 
He said, give him praise and glory. For it to be found, precious is gold, right? He takes that same thing, takes it up top, places us in a thing called a final submersion of him. The final baptism. He said in his word, the book of Luke, that I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. That fire goes farther than that little old thing that we got down here when they have them rolling on the flood. No, he's talking about something far more powerful. You only get a little taste of it now. But when you become like him, because you're going to see him as he is, First uh, John 3, verse 1 and 2, when we become like him and see him as he is, then we will know as we are known as the book of Corinthians says, then at that time, he places us in that all-consuming fire called him. And he places us with hearts in our hand, that's that melody that we have with the Lord, that praise and worship that we have. And what he's doing is while we, while we are being submerged in that fire that's mingled on the sea of eternity, called God himself, he's going to submerge himself in us and we're going to submerge him. See, we don't be the same no more. And as we are metamorphosed into that next area called the God-man, which is not on earth anymore, but now he's like God, the one in heaven. That's what the Word says. That's what the Word says. That's not blasphemy. That's what God's Word says. That when he comes, we should be like him. When he revealed himself to us, the final salvation, he's going to make us just like him. And when he makes us just like him, when we, as we are being submerged, we're going to be doing the same thing that those seraphim angels with all of eyes saying, Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, that's all they do all the time because of the power from being around the throne and as it emanates and as it emanates, you know. And what happens is, is that we're being submerged. And as we're being submerged in the fire of God to be made just like Him, we're going to be singing and praising with them hearts in our hands. That's worthy. That's worthy. So as God is showing us this stuff, you see, if we stay focused, on what it is, then it's worth all the affliction and the hardship that we are going through while we're down here on this earth. But we have to stay focused on what it is, and that's the hard part. That's the hard part. But we have to stay focused on this thing. Because we've got to understand that whatever it is that I'm going through, it's only for a season. We've got to understand that, yes, I'm going through it and my faith is being tried, but at the same time, through the trial of my faith, it's counted as God as being more precious than fine gold. And while I'm going through it, i got to remember to give Him praise and give Him glory regardless. 
If nobody else wants to praise him or not, it makes no difference to me. I know what we have to do as individuals in order for us to be counted worthy of going into that place that's been reserved for us in heaven and going through the final salvation where God himself will dress us in them white robes that spiritualize soul. Because that's the only way that we can stand before him is that we have to be reclothed in him. For no man can stand before him in So once he reclothes us, then he puts this melody in us, in our hands, in our power, a new song. And he stands us on the sea of eternity that's mingled with him, fire, because he's a consuming fire. And we are integrated into him, and he is integrated into us like water is poured into water. He becomes water. Okay? Now give God some praise if you have. This is sorry praise. Sorry praise.